the Westwood One Podcast Network. Think about quitting. It's the combat of life hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off. And to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative insurgency up, in their lives. You fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. To the victors, valiant, hail to the concrete heroes, hail, hail to Michigan, the champions of the West. Marcus, do you know how many friggin' times I heard that in my head? I heard it every Saturday. I heard it on Tuesday dinner parties. I heard it every single chance my mom served chicken pot pie. And I got to tell you, it makes me cringe. I was wondering why you were saying it. It makes me cringe. Yeah. And, and, and I got to tell you... The fact that we're bringing on a Michigan alumni initially in in my prime animosity of the U of M might have caused a ripple effect of 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 belligerence. But I promise you today I'm going to be reserved. So if we get invited to talk to the Michigan team, I'll be going with a wizard. You'll be- <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that for years? That they had team guys come, or they took them to Coronado, and the and the coach actually used to give out blue tridents to the team. Really? Yeah, I did not know that. And I called, really? I call, I called up on it one time and got to talk to the coach and was like, "Yo, man, what what's going on?" And he said, "No, no, 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 I'm not handing out tridents." Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it's, that. It's uh, it was a plaque or something that had a trident on it that had a different con you know he was just trying to promote our values Uh our ideas and and really try and 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 teach leadership from you know the the seal team perspective but how cool was that that he actually called that eagle and and yeah it it in a goalpost and then put a football in one of the claws Ooh, interesting something like that Blue is wow. inert, though. Remember, because we, yeah, yeah. we've passed yeah, yeah. forever and yeah. forever well, and yeah, we'll talk about the trident, but then you also need to know the blue deal. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I you know, I growing up with the fact that I had like fifteen relatives, sixteen. I don't even know. It's a ridiculous number of relatives went to University of Michigan. Because you have a hidden love. I, I, that's I, just you got an angry love for him. That's what that I, is. Well, right? the angry uh, love is because he talks about it all the time. Yeah. You've got a rebellious yeah, distaste. 
Well, because you didn't because they didn't let you go there. Yeah, it yeah. was bad, dude. I, I went <laughs> to the I went to the Michigan football camp all the time. I, I mean, I I really wanted Makes sense to go now. there. I know where the anger comes from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go yeah. ahead. Mm-hmm. No, there's nothing more to say now. I mean, I'm, <laughs> there's nothing just, more to say. You have nothing. You don't want to get anything else off your chest. No, I can talk more, sure? but I'm not. I'm just gonna say <laughs> I, my parents would be proud of us that we're bringing on uh, a Michigan alum to. To the core thing, and and you know what else I loved about this guy that's coming on? He's a lacrosse player too, baby. See, that's it, man. Maybe he'll bring back some love for the for Michigan. Yeah, for you. I love Michigan. I know you do. I love Michigan State. My my uncle went there. <laughs> I, love, I actually, yeah, I actually Western Michigan was interested in bringing me on the team, but I don't think I could get in there either. <laughs> Yeah, we got you instead on our team. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, welcome to the TNQ podcast. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell, and... And... Thank you, sir. Dude, Marcus, you should have hit. You should have been here just a second ago while we were prepping. Dude, he was asking me all kinds of insano questions. Throw one of those out oh, at Marcus. Throw one see. out. Throw one out right now. If, if extraterrestrials came down and gave you the opportunity to go with them into space, and we'll preclude any possibility that they're just going to tur- you know, torture you in a horrendous manner for this period of time. All right, you're gonna have a relatively easy experience with them relatively relatively right mm-hmm. keyword five years would you take the opportunity to be the first man to ever travel into the universe to do god knows what for five years with extraterrestrials having no contact with anyone back here on earth until you return you have to would you take five it? years of your life five years be the first guy out there that's good i'd probably say yeah i'd do that right yeah. easy five now give him hit him with the five. second one the mind blower <laughs> we have multiple conditions here would you go for 15 years would you go for 15 years now you have to assume that when you come back you're going to be financially set up for life right you're going to have patents on space guns and space a hoverboard gun. will finally become reality. a reality and you will be the patent holder for it unless you just travel through space You'll be set up for generations <laughs> to What'd you come. do? Man, I just went for a ride, man. That's all yeah. I said. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. Just you come back. But 15 years. Mm-hmm. 15 years of your life, you got to go out there. No contact. Is this before the wife and kids? No. Now. Your life right as now. is right now. I yeah. had to draw the line on yeah. 15. No, I can't do that. Yeah, it's too much, yeah, too right? Much, yeah. Too much right, time. I've got one more for you. No, no. The, this one's the crazy this one. This is the one. That, this, he starts getting this is twisted. The twist one. Space time, right? Mm-hmm. Different than different than Earth time. Yep. By whatever measure you want to assume, yep. you go out there, and in your perception, sixty years. It's sixty years of in your mind's eye of your time in space. However, when you return, <laughs> you have actually only spent eight Earth years gone. Yeah, I mean, I'll do it. Would you? Yeah, sixty what years. If, what if yeah. your space Earth. companions turn out to be the equivalent of a a sea cucumber, to which you could only communicate through some kind of bizarre you know f- form of interaction you said with text. Them. So it's like you know you said text we could text 
back and forth. I was basing it on the assumption that perhaps their sensory inputs were different than ours, and you wouldn't be able to verbally talk to them. You wouldn't be able to like verbally communicate. But you can communicate. Visually communicate. You said you physically can communicate. communicate. But you can't. Let's say all you can do is text them messages. Otherwise, mm. they sit there on the floor like 60 a, years, an inanimate but... object. Yeah, well. 60 years. That's forever changing. Every day is forever changing out there in that kind of capacity. So that's, a, that's learning something every day. I think day. I'd go with that one. Yeah. Because you come back, you'd be a smart dude. You know what I mean? It'd be <laughs> awesome. You'd be certifiably crazy. So... Welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast because one hour with us is like 60 years in space with the sea cucumber. <laughs> if That's this a t-shirt. Your, that t-shirt will be available soon. If this is your first show, God bless you and everything you stand for. going to be in trouble if uh, we run out of food. Oh, man. They're, they're next on the list. No, right? <laughs> they, yeah, right? <laughs> but they're the only ones that can fly the spaceship. Not after 60 years, buddy. I can get a handle on it. If you're coming back, man, welcome aboard. This show is going to be epic. We've got one of the coolest guys on the planet, Mr. Bob Woodruff, ABC anchor. He's an author, American journalist who got blown up in Iraq. He's one of us, man. This guy's amazing. Wizard's going to talk. You are in store for an epic show with him today with all of us. Uh, and also, we're just stoked you're back, man, because you guys have taken us to the next level. You have faith in us to bring you great stories that ignite the legends in the world, that help you overcome adversity, to, to go over the obstacles and hurdles of life, so you can learn how to develop the never-quit mindset that we all have learned in space travel. From sea cucumbers. From sea cucumbers <laughs> in space travel. I tell you what, I God bless Everything about it, man. If you want to know more about our travels and what we're doing, please visit us at tnqpodcast.com. Earth, earth, dot. That's World Wide Web. It's the ETW. What was that? Extraterrestrial Web, ETW. Remember Close Encounters where they have the giant, like, uh, the giant uh, synthesizer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's how it'll do. Close Close Encounters. Yeah, right? right? Another great movie is Contact. Mm-hmm. I, I like that one a lot. And that's kind of on the premise you were talking about. They drop into that little thing, and they jump into light speed, and then they fall through, and then they've been gone for one second. That was also a big component of Interstellar. Yeah. Which yeah. Was an excellent movie. Great movie. Great movie. Mm-hmm. We need Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. on. Matthew Come McConaughey. on, Matthew. Come on to show. Probably the greatest actor to have ever acted. Ever. <laughs> ever. Right, him and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, together. Yeah, we yeah. get them on the show together. That'd be epic. Matthew is good though. He's the best. He's, he is good. He's man. the best by far. <laughs> but you, we love you, Matthew. Come yeah, on, we were buddy. at that. We we're playing that uh, softball tournament. He's Which, like, by right. the way, you didn't ask him to come on at the softball tournament. I was in a lot of pain, man. It took everything <laughs> I got to get through that game. <laughs> Had me starting on third. I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, <laughs> but, I never uh, knew you had the arm to make it to first to be on third. That's the easy part. My knees and yeah. all the rest of that stuff didn't work <laughs> like it was supposed to, man. <laughs> and I, I hit the. Uh, we had a fly ball coming, and I dropped down to my knee, and Matthew was behind me. I, I gave it to him, and, and man, I tore the top of my knee off. Uh, that whole deal. I definitely don't. 
Sports you know, it has like the infield <laughs> the gritty, gravel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> got to carry that infield gravel for a week. Oh, man. Good time. We ought to have him come out here if he can, dude. Have him stay the night over. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That'd be the deal. All right. Well, take him back up to Huntsville. That's where Days of Confused was based off of. It is, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I went to college there. He went to UT. But we're in the same fraternity. No way. Yeah, he's a delt. <laughs> Get out of here. I didn't, yeah. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Stories of that dude are legendary. He's awesome. He is awesome. Well, welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast, man. Find us on our website at tnqpodcast.com. If you want to contribute your greatest never quit story, that would be epic. There's a spot on the website for you to upload also, don't forget, check out our store. We've got incredible killer TNQP podcast shirts. There's Team Never Quit shirts and hats, all kinds of cool stuff. TNQpodcast.com. Now, another insane place to go find incredible merch for you, your family, your loved ones, your friends, and anybody else you want to hook up is to the world's leading supplier of firearms, ammunition, firearm accessories, reloading components, and everything else you can think of. That's Brownells, baby. I've been going to this place for years. That's Brownells.com. They offer an industry-exclusive, guaranteed forever, I repeat my last, guaranteed forever warranty on all parts and accessories. Listen, they have over 120,000 items from new guns and ammo to nearly any gun part imaginable. And what's also cool is they got 5,500 partner FFL groups around the country to make your online gun purchase go smoothly. What, one of my favorite aspects is that they are family-owned and veteran-owned business doing it right in the heartland of our country in Iowa for nearly 80 years. Another awesome part about this family-owned business is that they've been supporting law enforcement agencies and charities and military charities for as long as they've been doing this. Now, you can't beat that. Here's the deal. Throughout the month of November, Brownells is working to help veterans in a big, big, epic way. Brownells hashtag Operation 100K event is soliciting donations from customers and will match every dollar donated up to, get this, 100000 bucks. That's huge. Now, donations will be divided between three well-respected military charities. One of my personal favorites, people I've been working with for a long time, my, my close friends from Special Operations Wounded Warriors, Joel and Dave and Brian. Man, I love you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Mission 22, Folds of Honor. And you can donate by adding money to your purchase from brownells.com or by visiting brownells.com forward slash Operation 100K and donating directly. Visit brownells.com today, pick up some gun gear, and help out with a great cause. Ha! Now, if you want to go even deeper, baby, come follow me, Marcus and the Wizard, right? You can follow Marcus at Marcus Luttrell at Team Frog Logic, which is mine, and then at the Wizard TNQ. You just search for that on Instagram and you can follow along. So I tell you what, man, that was the most random intro I think we've ever it was beautiful. done. Beautiful. It was glorious. And informative. Glorious. Glorious. Life changing. Glorious. All right, Wizard. Dude, tell these people who Bob Woodruff is. About Mr. Bob Woodruff. I'm just going to go chronologically here. Um, earns his law degree from the University of Michigan, like stated before, in Hail 1987. To the victors, hell yeah. Hail to. It happens every time I angry just love. hear it. Angry love. It is angry. <laughs> <laughs> angry love. <laughs> 
Not angry now. All right. Um, <clears throat> graduates from there. He, 89, he finds himself teaching law in Beijing, China, where he gets an opportunity with CBS News due to the Tiananmen Square protests taking place to cover it. Um, he does that, and that takes him into journalism, basically. Um, he builds a, a successful career with ABC News to the point where in uh, 2005, he is the successor to Peter Jennings as the co-anchor for Massive. ABC uh, World News Tonight, major show. However, 27 days later, he is in Iraq, just north of Baghdad in Taji, and the vehicle he's riding with, uh, along with his cameraman, an idea explodes in the near vicinity of that, seriously injuring both he and his cameraman. I'm gonna, I'll spare the details of, of, of exactly his injuries, but he goes from hospital to hospital. He, he is medical, he's in a medically induced coma for 36 days to assist in recovery. He has a portion of his skull removed to mitigate brain swelling. 13 months later, in 2007, he has recovered enough. He has recovered enough that he comes, he comes back out in public, makes, making an appearance on Good Morning America, Oprah. Oprah Winfrey's show, along with his wife talking about his recovery, his experiences, as well as um, to introduce a documentary that they had coming out called To Iraq and Back, Bob Woodruff Reports. Since that incident, a lot, of, a lot of his work has been defined by supporting veterans, most notably through his foundation, the Bob Woodruff Foundation, which has, by all accounts, it has provided massive benefit to veterans and their families. $55 million invested, 390-plus grants awarded, 2.5 million veterans and their families' lives touched. He also has a book, uh, In an Instant, A Family's Journey of Love and Healing, which details you know, his journalism career into his recovery, the importance of his family in his recovery, Um you know, and he's he's an advocate for 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 veterans receiving uh, care related to TBI, traumatic brain injury. So many instances of that. Everyone's familiar with IEDs and the, as being a, a primary weapon used by the enemy in Iraq and Afghanistan. So many service members have been affected by those explosives, causing these traumatic brain injuries. So. I mean, been through a lot. He's been through a lot, man. And you know what? You know what's really cool is that it was his wife, my girlfriend Jana, has uh-huh. met them through uh, uh, her friend. She was she, her her former husband is used to work with Bruce Springsteen and and the Springsteens and and the Woodworths that were friends and mm-hmm. and she reached out to Lee, man, and because of their passionate commitment, not only Bob's, but Lee as well, who's also an incredibly successful author and, and does wonderful work all across the country. Uh, you know, she was, you know, she, they jumped all over it, man. And she said, absolutely. He'd love to be a part of it. And, you know, the hope is eventually we can get Lee on to tell part of her story from the, the, mm-hmm. the wife's perspective as well, mm-hmm. too. But, man, they they couldn't have been more stoked to come on with us, and I'm just so thankful to them. And what do you say, gents? Let's bring them on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Marcus, I'm telling you what. It's not often that you get a person that comes on the show that has a perspective that is non non military, right? They're they they didn't go through the training, they didn't go through the the pain of the cold water immersion, they didn't get pummeled on the sands of Coronado. 
but they understand what it means to be downrange. They understand what it means to have your noodle rattled, to have your noodle scrambled, and to come back in the fight harder than you were before. It's rare that we can get a person like that on the show, baby, and I am fired up as a result. Well, just I mean, think about it just... Like you said it though, he went over there without the training that we had. That that kind of backbone that they instill in us, like, hey, this is gonna be okay, and s- still, still went through the hell with us. So I, I mean, that in itself speaks volumes. And then to go back and to keep on doing it, and then to covet and and look out for us, he's one of us. Totally one of us. And that's why I'm telling you, brother, this has been one I've been looking forward to for months, baby, for months. So. Let's bring them on. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Mr. Bob Woodruff, sir, thank you so much for coming on a Team Never Quit podcast. Well, Dave, first of all, I didn't, I didn't know you guys were going to have so much energy on this thing. That, was, that one was unexpected. And, uh, but second, man, thank you so much for that. This is a freaking honor you know, to be with you. And for everything you said, you got to tell my wife all of that. It makes me feel good about myself. Uh, we're recording. We'll send it to you. <laughs> we'll make ringtones yeah, and then we'll I'll send, send, you send it to ringtone. Lee. Yeah, we pass them out. We wake up kind of dry. You just throw rut in your ear for a second. And then like, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> awesome. All right. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of this thing, uh, you know, we we got to do a little cognitive warm up. And as a as a journalist, as a as a former attorney or still attorney. And by the way, uh, I have seven, oh. 17 relatives that are University of Michigan graduates. And uh, really? yep, 17. My family's all from Michigan. My dad's from Detroit. My mom's from Muskegon. They both went to Michigan. And I got to tell you, sir, I absolutely hate the University of Michigan. Sorry. <laughs> what, 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 where, did you, where did you go, man? How come that, how could, and, why did you become an enemy of us? Well, because I couldn't get in, for one. It's <laughs> <laughs> more animosity hate then. than anything. <laughs> there it is. Uh, and, and so I ended up, you'll get a kick out of this, I ended up uh, getting recruited to play lacrosse at Penn State and played there. So I'm a, I'm a rival, but... Uh, I got to tell you, my my first, uh, what do you call those things when you're a baby that spin around? Uh, mobile. mobile. My first mobile was Hail to the Victors. So, Oh, good for you. Hey, you know, by the way, so you know, I played that sport too. Did at you, Colgate. You the way that... The way that- the way that you scream and the, how much energy you got, you must have been a midi, right? I was a face-off <laughs> midi. And That's you, what I thought. And I you thought. were an attackman, weren't you? Yeah, because I'm a ball hog. I wanted glory. <laughs> well, it That's seems why that- I went on television. <laughs> Oh my God! We could have probably a hell of a lacrosse team here. Well, it's it's <laughs> this, it's funny that the the nuance is my old man's an attorney too, and and he always wanted me to go to law school, and I said, Pop, man, I love you, but uh, this this midi could never do five seconds in a courtroom. I'd be swearing at the judge. In, 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 <laughs> yeah, we didn't have lawyers in the family, <laughs> but uh, my dad had to use a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> so 
yeah, there's mean, that it's, connection it's, yeah, with connection you there. there. All right. All right. All right. Let's get to this. I, I digress too much. All right. All right. So what we're going to do, Bob, is we're going to do a little cognitive uh, PT, a little exercise by something we call the mad minute. Now, I know in uh, when you're out there and you're reporting, you got to get to the punch and you got to ask the pivotal questions quick. For us, you know, working in our game, it's a little different. We put the, the, the barrel of a gun to get those. But here, these are going to be the toughest questions you've ever gotten in your life so are you ready sir well given the fact that uh, in ter- when you say cognitive that's the one that i lost when i got blown up so this is, i'm yeah. gonna be the worst i probably be the worst one ever for you guys <laughs> i doubt that no no because the hosts don't have it either so we're- <laughs> <laughs> i got right, my TV cognitive I kicked out my ass too man. <laughs> IEDs are fun. Right. Oh, I, that's Go a bumper it, sticker. Uh, that's what the next bumper sticker we're going to say. It's so funny on, on our social media. We always post, uh, like, further down, once we release your show, we have these real profound quotes from our guests. Yours is going to be, Bob Woodruff, IEDs are fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get on our team, man, if you want. Yeah, exactly. And you get every excuse. I'll use the excuse whenever I can't get an answer to you. I'll just blame it. Don't worry. <laughs> I love it. My, my wife, you know, she asked me, uh, can you go clean up the garage? I said, what the hell's a garage? I don't even know. So I get everything I need to get out of it. That's perfect. Yeah. I love now, it. These on the report card is just, uh, means you're still trying. <laughs> <laughs> you got A's. Well, you're not really trying. That's not oh, hard that's me, so epic. All right. All right. So are you ready, sir? Because we're going to begin. Relatively, yes. All right. Relatively ready. Marcus, fire away. All right. Favorite superhero? Superman. Yes. Yeah. Why? Why is that good? Because everybody likes to do these modern-day Marvel guys. Yeah, they love the Iron Man, and they do Batman, and they uh, and nobody's old school like Superman. But uh, but yeah. we got to stick together. He's a fading character. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm 57. That's there all you I go. can remember. <laughs> all right, Wizard, fire away. All right, being a uh, journalist and writer, I imagine you're also a reader. Can you give us uh, a couple books that have had... An impact in your life, or even maybe you just greatly enjoyed reading them. Uh, you know, I liked uh, Gladwell's book uh, Blink. Awesome. It kind of walks you through how things work. You know, how things are wrong, what are things are right. You never expect them, and uh, everything can change just by your perspective on things. So don't study it so much. Actually, just take it go take, take it to your guts, and then you'll uh, understand understand and predict things better than you do if you just. Uh, you know, study on things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, other other books that I that are you know, mostly mostly I like things about history, all sorts of history books. Um, a lot a bit about uh, wars and and our and our history. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of some names of some great books that I really liked a lot. I like the ones that my wife uh, writes. Yeah, hers um, are awesome. That's what I do, but yeah. That's the one we were waiting for. That that, that just got you the brownie points there, brother. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's called In an Instant. I like uh, Perfectly Imperfect. (laughs) God, he's good, man. All right. If you could go back in time and interview anyone, who would it be? Back in history, interview anyone. Uh... I guess I'd go back and I'd, I'd talk to uh, interview JFK, a little Aww. bit of how he's handling this changing world. 
you know, what's going on mm. back then, especially the confrontation with the Soviet Union as it's starting to uh, mm-hmm. happen, especially down in Cuba. I oh, think yeah. I would have had to gone through that. I'd love to Winston Churchill. I'd love to interview him. Oh, yeah. That would be great. Uh, yeah, I think those would be That's good. That's a good question. Those I, are two I, good I, ones. I, I had, uh, if you cover any story in history, but... Yeah, I would love to know what you guys do, but I'm, that's that's me. I'm the you know I like to ask you guys questions, but you know hey, I'm just, maybe later. I'm just trying to figure out uh, how to not scream at the coach on my girls' soccer team. That's what I got going on in my life right now. How so, do you so shut up on the, the sideline? Yeah, right. I'm screaming at you. I'm screaming. I'm screaming. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't want to be. <laughs> that's how I talk. It's her first year. She's seven. I'm trying not to get kicked out of the game already. You know. That's what I. That's that just what, means we all need to show up for that. <laughs> exactly. All right, Marcus. Fire all right, brother. Away. If every job paid the same, what would you be doing? If they all paid the same, I think I'd love to teach. I'd love to. Actually, I'd love to both. Mm. If I could teach a subject uh, academically at the university and coach the team, oh, I think I'd like to cool. do that. And I think you mm. know, someday, you know, when you when you would retire, maybe that's one I would try to do. But but uh, that's I'd, I'd the love pass to do down that. right there, man. Yeah, that's Plus, awesome. I mean, that's how you know you know something, right? You know you totally. know something. I'd love, I'd love to coach, you know. I think that would be that'd be fantastic. Awesome. All right, Wizard. What's a hobby or skill you've always wanted to have, perhaps for a long time, but you have never have not yet learned it? Guitar. Oh, Music. yes. Ah, same way, man. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Why, I obviously was that? not put here to play an instrument. No, no. Not at all. <laughs> I I bought I bought an electric guitar. I was a big Jimi Hendrix fan as a kid, and I bought an electric guitar when I was sixteen. And that thing still is sitting in my closet and hasn't been played once. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? Uh, you know, huh. you know, David. Right now, that I'm doing a piece for Friday on 2020 about fentanyl, and largely, you know, the one that killed Prince. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh-huh. if you if you go back and you wait, look wait, at is Prince, that how he died? He was the most. Yeah, he died of fentanyl. Fen- yeah. You kidding me? Yeah, yep. no. It's the worst opioid out there. The most dangerous opioid, more powerful than everything else that's out there. But he died of it. anyway. You listen. You, you, I don't know if you, you know, Prince was the most amazing guitarist. He yep. was uh, remarkable. So you watch him. I mean, that, then that's what I'd like to do. Yeah. My favorite skit is on uh, Chappelle is Charlie Murphy Hollywood Stories is when he plays basketball against Prince. Apparently that really <laughs> happened. Like Prince can ball. He's 5'3", five, five, but if he has like a, you know, the two foot heels on, then maybe he can <laughs> so like they, they played in the heels and he's like, man, he's got game, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I, I agree with you, Bob. He's one of the greatest guitarists that's ever played. And, and in terms of that fentanyl thing, what's, what's not too is a buddy of mine uh is a firefighter down in south florida and they're they're picking up so many kids that are ODing on heroin and fentanyl that they are uh, there's a shortage of um what's the drug that we push when uh to pull people out of uh um narcan there's a narcan shortage around the country and so because before, like, you'd hit somebody with, like, two grams of Narcan in their back. He was telling me, like, two months ago, he had a 24-year-old girl. He pushed 16 grams of Narcan, and then she came back. I mean, that's how bad it is. Oh, yeah. Wow. If they didn't have this to be so many of these cases, they, they would never what? be. Never, you, the, 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 the death rating would, you know, numbers would be just gigantic if they didn't have Narcan. The pain is not that. What, what we have 99% of the opioid use and 3% of the pain. You don't yeah. need that kind of... 
no one's in that much pain. I'm sorry. And if, if you are in enough pain, there's fentanyl. There's other stuff, right? I mean, that's... Plant- the addiction, they- though. Right. Hey, all those zombie movies that are out, zombie apocalypse is if you pull all the drugs off the counters in one fell swoop. It'd be a zombie <laughs> apocalypse right there. What they have to do yeah. to I mean you see what, I mean, that's a, that's what that would look like. That's a zombie apocalypse if you pull all the drugs off fail one in one yeah, time. You know, a lot of you do stories like this, you usually think about it. We always assume that they're, you know, drug addicts that are dying of these fentanyl. But the thing is you look at these families, they have no real Mm. You know, drug history, well, like Prince, for example, a lot of this is fentanyl is you know imported out of China. Just a little tiny drop of this is so unbelievably dangerous that you mix a little bit in there, maybe the wrong amount into it, and and basically you're selling it as like a Xanax and mixed in with it. Mm. So people accidentally just overdose on it without taking too many pills, oh. but having the wrong pills. Oh my! So people that are just taking these for pain relief and that and they die. It's huge numbers. But that needs wow. to be, get rid of that. All crap. right. Well, I, we're looking for I mean, that's that. My, that's my music yeah. answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, and it's funny. I was on your Twitter feed and I saw that little clip you posted with his half sister, and it looks fascinating. I can't wait to watch it, but. All right, Marcus, fire away. First car. <laughs> I didn't want to tell you. Actually, you know, I had a, I had a little, like, a, a 15-year-old Mustang, but that was only about, you know, less than a year, and then I had a Pinto. Yes! <laughs> that yes! Was almost, we that found was one! Almost free. We found that was one! Almost free. Our first Pinto owner! Right yes! there. That's going on the page. Pinto. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I got that one for about uh, 960 bucks or something. So, you know, why else would I drive one of those pieces of shit? You know? <laughs> That's so great. I'm, 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 I'm going to be your new call sign yeah. on my phone. Pinto, like, oh, right? Pinto. <laughs> awesome. All right, all right, wizard. What Final color was qu- it? Yeah, yeah. What color? Sky blue. Blue. Yeah. <laughs> Why, is that bad? No, 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 no it's no. perfect. It's the perfect color. Exactly for what a I pinto. imagined in my head. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to focus on this one. This could be the most serious question you've received. So Uh-oh. you're to be hogtied and thrown in a closet for 30 minutes. With A, you get to choose A, five water moccasins, or B, a chimpanzee with a hand grenade and a very hyperactive sense of curiosity. <laughs> Well, I think well I think the, I think the latter one's more fascinating. Maybe I could <laughs> Let's just see how this goes. <laughs> well if I had if I had you guys training I could probably get that uh, grenade out of his hand. Uh, maybe some hope of it. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know what the hell am I supposed to say? You're supposed Nothing. to choose. Nothing. <laughs> we had we had we had Pat McNamara, former Delta operator. He was like, what did he say? He said, oh, the water moccasins oh. for sure. I'll take the water yeah. moccasins all day. Long. A, 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 a damn chimp? That thing's pulling that damn pit. I ain't getting that thing out of its head. <laughs> he got all fired I'm, up. I'm confident I could have. Awesome. Or will, right. if, if, if you do actually do it to me. Awesome. Awesome. All right. All right. So, well, that's the mad. How, what are we at there? I got to set like 1310 right now that's what are, pretty close yeah we're all right that is the mad 13 minutes and 10 seconds Bob, thank, Good you. Job, bro. thank you so much we that's appreciate I diverted away to other topics yeah, right. <laughs> you are a, a master of your craft <laughs> 
All right, all right. Before we move on, I, I just have to bring this up, all right? If anybody out there is like me, you've been wearing the same uniform for the past 20 years, right? I've got my oh. Converse on. I've got my cutoff BDU uh, tire stripes and and my my holy brown tee from, from Buds, man. And it just ain't cutting it. Just ask my girlfriend. Well, guess what? There's a solution for guys like us out there that are struggling, that are working our butts off, who hate going to malls. I don't even know if malls exist anymore. Do they, gents? Well, huh. we fi- we've got a solution at stitchfix.com. Now, Stitch Fix is an online personal styling surface service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, your budget, and your lifestyle, which is nuts like mine, right? Just go to stitchfix.com slash TNQ, tell them your sizes, what styles you dig, mine is tactical, by the way, and how much you want to spend on each item. You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist. I'll probably have to go through 10 of them, but we'll find one for me. I guarantee it. Who will handpick items that they will be sent right to your door. Think about that. Right to your door. Where you then pull it out, try it on, and you pay only for what you love. And then return the rest. Shipping exchanges and returns are always free. Always free. They give you the labels, the bags, everything. There's no subscription required. You can sign up to receive scheduled ship- shipments or get your Stitch Fix whenever you want. Stitch Fix's styling fee is only $20, which is applied toward anything you keep from your shipment. Easy day, right? Now, here is the deal. If you get started right now, today, at stitchfit.com forward slash TNQ, and you will get, get this, 25% off when you keep all the items in your box. That's 25% off when you keep all the items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash TNQ. Get started today. I'm telling you, you won't be sorry. Your loved ones won't be sorry because finally, finally, you will have some style. All right. Now, on a serious note, here's the deal. We, you, you know, the reason why we do this show is to bring extraordinary people onto the show who have come through extraordinary circumstances and and have incredible life lessons to pass on to our listeners who are around the world, who we believe are are coming back show after show in the hopes that they're going to find that one nugget, that one pearl of wisdom that's going to ignite the fire in their stomachs that's going to push them forward under you know the at extreme duress at extreme stress and allow them to take that one additional step each day so bob would you please share with our listeners your greatest never quit story or stories well i mean obviously everybody has a, a disaster or something horrific happens in their lives and I, I guess none of us really know what that's going to happen. When it does, then you, then you find out what it is. And you mm. also find out who, who is it that sticks with you, yeah, you know, who still surrounds you when, when, you're, still le- when you're there. Uh, there's some that loved the, the way you were before and those that love you and, and forever and ever will. And I think if you can, your, your family would be number one. Your friends is probably number two. And then, uh, and then anybody else that uh, that you get to know is is uh, the next the next list. But you know, when I when I was hit, I uh, you know everything just changed in in a minute, in in a, in a second. I mean, there was nothing really that uh, 
that I could that I could fix. Um, it was just a matter of, matter of time, you know. I don't I, I don't know if you know exactly what happened, but mm-hmm. uh, I was with the Fourth Infantry and I was uh, you know reporting on them and what they're accomplishing in Iraq. Mm-hmm. We were just outside of Taji when we were hit by an IED as we're as we're driving down the road, and uh, and I don't really have a lot of memories exactly, but I saw where we were, and suddenly I was unconscious. Uh, I was knocked out by this IED as my as I was poking out of the top of this tank. It was actually in a, it was an Iraqi Iraq, and we were in a mid operation, so we had both uh, the Iraqis and the U.S. military with us, and uh, and this IED exploded. Just tore into the left side of my head and shattered my scapula on the back. I had a helmet on and a body protector on. Thank God for that. I wouldn't be here right now talking to you. Amen. So at that time, so I so I went out and I and I, people asked me, "What do you remember?" And I said, "Well, I remember driving down that road and then suddenly I just went out. I just saw a flash and then I see my body kind of floating underneath me." And then about a minute later after I was out, I woke up because I'd fallen into the tank. And there's my whole team with me. Uh, the, the, the translator, this Iraqi guy, was incredible. He put his hand on my, on my neck to stop the, bleed, the blood from gushing out as fast as it was. Um, I looked at my, my producer that was with me. And I said, are we still alive? And he says, yeah, we're alive. And then I went out again. And then the stories that I heard later, because I was out, is that the... Uh, the guys from the the fourth infantry guys that was with me, the the mid operators were, they they got out of their vehicles because this IED went off, and just as they got out to come and save us, all of these uh, these ins- these insurgents, m- multiple ones, one we don't know, but all four corners around us, they started to open fire to try to kill them. Uh, wow. Didn't hit any of them. We don't know if our guys you know killed them or they just uh, if they just they ran away. We never found them later on, uh, and they got us, me and my cameraman who was also out for about a second, not as badly wounded as I was, uh, Doug Vogt. He got yeah. us out of that uh, that vehicle into a, a Brady, a, 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 another vehicle to take us down uh, to the to the helicopter that hit about a mile away, and they rushed us off to Baghdad Hospital. They realized that I was going to be alive. The assumption was I was not going to survive. And then they got us up to Balad, where they uh, removed you know 16 centimeters of my skull. Wow. Uh, to try to let wow. my brain breathe a little bit. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to talk either. So, you know, there's suddenly about 36 day, days I, I wake up in Bethesda Naval. And uh, I just kind of look around. And I remember my wife walked in. And I said, I said, honey, where you been? She's like, <laughs> she's what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> where have I been? I've been here right next to you this whole time. <laughs> so that was that was the beginning of that process. But. I, I got to say, you know, this was a since it's Bethesda Naval is mostly uh, mostly Marines uh-huh. on that third floor where I was were the you know the worst wounds and the ones that are you still unconscious a lot of guys and and so we became very close to the, the and the families and and the patients that were with me there and we never never let that go and I'm still in contact with some of them. Wow! Uh, and so that and that's the one that kind of took us on a new direction too. My my wife and my brothers and and I said, you know what. We're going to make sure that uh, those that are wounded, those in the military that are that were right in that same place and the same wars that I was in, that they make sure they get the best treatment they can when they get back to their homes where they come from, their community. So that's how we start. What we're doing, and uh, it's been. I said, if there's anything good to get blown get blown up? It was this one. All right. You know, yeah. This has been the most satisfying thing I've All ever right. done in my life. I just, as I said before, you know, it's been it's been quite a route. 
You were outside of Baghdad, right? In, in um, just north. Yeah. Right Taji. Taji right was like, Taji in Iraq. Yeah, Malaysia uh, there, right? And that was in the first of 06. January, yeah, yeah. 06. Yeah, yeah, January. yeah, you know what we what we were doing over there was the uh, since I was uh, anchoring the show with another co-anchor of World News Tonight. You know, we took over from uh, I took over from uh, uh, Peter, Peter Jennings. Jennings after he died. And uh, so that was the State of the Union. So President Bush was going to deliver the State of the Union. And we, uh, my co-anchor was going to go to New York and cover, I mean, to uh, D.C. and cover that. Um, and, then I, I, and the whole subject that he was going to talk about was the you know, transferring over the power from the U.S. military oh, yeah. to the Iraqi right. military. And so I wanted to go there and see what it, that's why we went with the mid operation, because they work together to go community to community, to try to convince the locals of Iraq mm-hmm. uh, what they are and what their goals could be and all of that. And so we wanted to see what they're doing. That's why I ended up in an Iraqi tank. There was eight vehicles going down this road, a mix of both the, the American and the, and the Iraqi teams. But that's that's what we're reporting about. And that was the spot that we found to go Did, see what was it. A, was it a buried IED or was it? Uh, uh, you know, they, most of I think you you probably know this as anybody else does, Mark. Is you know uh, this this was actually on the side of the road. Oh. Uh, it was not one that triggered by by pressure and weight. It was probably they think it was triggered by a a cell phone. Cell phone detonation. Right, and a lot of those in Iraq since it was before, uh, you know, Afghanistan. Two two very different different uh, different kind of IED use yeah. in Iraq versus Afghanistan is that. And Iraq had a lot of paved roads, so they mm. couldn't really bury them underneath the road for you know pressure uh, to be igniting them that way, to setting them off that way. So in Iraq, though, a lot of them were right on the road where the boat, where the vehicles were rolling over them. So there's a lot more explosions because of that. But most of the ones in Iraq at that time were triggered usually by cell phones. Yeah, and that's why that's why you had most of the amputations, you know, especially the legs, was yeah. in Afghanistan because oh, yeah. they're going right underneath. There was a lot of IED, where you know, more like brain injury and, and burns and things. Would, would mm. you were were you in country on on that time in January twenty nine? No, I came in in March. In March, right no, after March. that, right? No, okay, three was there. Yeah, so we we ripped uh, we ripped in with the fourth ID. You must have, you had just come out of there. I remember when that happened. I mean, we got briefed on that because I was in Ramadi. Yeah. We flew into um, Blood, then we worked around Tartar, Fallujah, and all that that area. And, and Taj, we we blew through there quite a few times. And you're right, it's the yeah. the IEDs because they have that's high speed. I mean, they got IRLs and everything. I yeah. mean, it was getting pretty sophisticated. That was the last stand right there in '06 and '07 in Ramadi there, but. Yeah, yeah, Marcus, your your story is pretty remarkable. I mean, you're you're the man of recovery too. You know, a lot of everything from physical, but but mental too, and you've handled it just masterfully. I mean, you're you're a hero to so many. Oh, I, well, uh, I did so just like you, you did, man. I got this, man. As soon as I was hurt, and they pulled me offline, but you know, when we're all in there together, you heal together, and and you focus all. Yeah, I, I couldn't have done that without <laughs> what I had to come home to. That was. That was for sure. Well, I'm I'm glad that you guys are talking about recovery because in my mind, all the people that we've had on that have suffered from IEDs that have whether it's uh, Kyle Carpenter or, or Jose or 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 Crispy or whoever it was or Chad, the whole idea that seemed that is the most inspiring to me is that process afterwards and the fight that begins there. One of the things that everybody has uh, that talks about, Bob, is at some point as the recovery begins, 
There's a dark phase. And my question to you is, did you go through a dark phase and a questioning of all that? And, and what was that like and who helped you through? You know, I think that uh, talked to so many others. I think we kind of shared the same thing. Um, when you're when you're when you're brought back, and then suddenly you're waking up, or you're on what a just lucky you feel lucky to be alive. Then you're as happy as can be. Then you start to realize, you know, what's happened to your limbs, what's happened to your brain, what's happened to you know your 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 skin, um, and you realize, wow, I'm I'm not exactly the way I was before. And then the reality starts to set in. And that launches you into you know some really you talk about you know dark it is certainly you know, types a, a lot of depression uh, that you try to get through you know my my wife sometimes talk about the F's you know and all of this you know the ones you really need to surround yourself with which is you know friends uh, and faith and funny <laughs> you guys, you guys do, this, this is what you guys do you know, yeah. you humor humor is a gigantic thing but you'll see the you'll see the faith of your friends and you'll see uh, how much damn funny they are because you need a lot of comedy too uh, to try Amen. to help those out that have gone through this I mean there's nothing better than that. and you, and like you said earlier we can certainly we can take a lot of we can tell a lot of jokes other people can't really tell yeah sure. so, right. people ask me what what it takes to make it in and, and then survive there I was like man your sense of humor it just has to be able to change with as you change and what you go through. And I, I remember laying there and once the doc said I was going to be, out, once you get the, uh, you know, you're hurt, but it was kind of a melancholy, right? And you're just kind of sitting there going, all right, here we go. We're in some new digs. And, uh, right. The problem is, is when you, you know how far you've been down, you, what you can take and then trying to get back there after all the hard work over the years that it's slow, it's slow. Right. And doesn't help when they cloud your mind with all that crap too, because, if you do get down on yourself, then you, it's easy to get real down on yourself. Cause I think that blocks the motivator. That crap blocks that motivator. Totally. To, you just kind of want to sit around and do nothing. I call it my black Spider-Man years, but <laughs> uh, you know, the other, the other thing we really learned was if you want to talk to people about, uh, you know, that have gone through this and, and they want to, they want to help get some help. Sometimes it's the best veterans. The veterans is really the strongest one because uh, you know, you guys can relate to each other. I, I, I've established that because I was right there with other guys who went through the same thing and I've, I've lived it for so long and we started a foundation that lives in it uh, that that also we're the most comfortable to each other. I've got so many old friends who have been badly wounded and we talk all the time and we do the same jokes to each other over and over again. Uh, but there's that. I mean, you got to have f people that understand not just what you're doing now, but what you did be before and then fought right next to your side. I mean, there's nobody more effective than that in terms of recovery. Well, you no got way. you pulled into our world. You're one of us now. I mean, that the, the degrees and diplomas you had on your wall, that that got you into the <laughs> into the crew that you run around with in that world. But those scars now, that means you can walk away from them in an event and cross the street into the bar full of us and fit right in. I mean, because... Yeah. It's look on your face, man. It's just like I you tell when you walk in, you know, and then the name, the, the names of the places, well, that's all relative because we've been fighting there so long. So it's. Yeah, man. But my training sucked compared to you guys. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, guys I also say that people, my, my other advice is if you ever have a, if, you know, there's an IED explosion near you, make sure you duck. duck. That's what I forgot to do. So, yeah, well, you, I do. you just had to get that good camera angle. I know. Yeah, so, so give us some words of wisdom of what you learned through your life and, and pass down duck. to Duck. All right.
regardless of training and whatnot, I mean, you're coming from a different perspective, you know, uh, than we were going through going through war and whatnot. I'm curious how this experience, you know, what impact it had on the outlook of your life, or maybe it changed some uh, elements of your life experience that you value differently afterwards. Uh, you know, I think I, 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 I've said that a lot to some some friends of mine. I think that uh, I, I feel like I'm more comfortable about even the thought of, of death. Yeah. Hmm. In, in a sense, in, in some ways, as I said to you, the, the, in, in some ways, I've already been there partly. I know that there's no pain there. In fact, when I when I came back and there, I was in Bethesda Naval, and I that day that I woke up, one of the first guys I spoke to was my brother Jimmy, who who came in. I one of the first. First thing he told me that I said because I barely have the memory of it. He said the first thing I said to him was, uh, "Jimmy, it's great to you know see you, brother, but I, why? I, I kind of wish that I was I could go back to where I just was." I wow. said it was you know there, there was no pain, uh, there was no darkness. You know it was it was just so pleasant to be there. So now who the, I don't know what I was saying at the time, but I know that I I had you know ma- you know major pain in my head and uh you know and there i was sitting in a hospital room and i couldn't really get out uh get out of the bed because my half my skull was missing um so that's one of the things he said what he said to me you know and uh you know well, that, so in that sense I, I that's the way i think i'm a lot different than i was before and I, and i think sometimes i love i love uh people a little bit more because i don't i can't really fill myself with as much hatred for them uh, than I did before, or, or fights that I had before, because it's not much worth. There's, not, there's no value to fight. That that's the most profound huh. thing that I I see that happens on a reoccurring basis with people who have had this proximity, this brush with death, and really have able are able to internalize it to a, a to move to that perspective of love. How soon? Did you start utilizing that knowledge in your parenting, as a friend, in your relationships, in all aspects of your life? To, you know, how soon before you're like, this is the new truth for me? Yeah, I mean, how long it, did it take to realize that this, uh, it's, it's not as glorious and you're going to recover 100%? You know, I don't. I think it took uh, uh, about a month when I finally got out of uh, out of the hospital and able to return to the way it was before. And I, and I know that that's when the biggest shock hits hits most most of the guys that were you know wounded is that going back to the community. Yeah. You know the, the the world that we had. You you guys especially so in the military. You know you when you're serving, you're with the same guys who became a team. You wake up at you know six and you do X Y and Z every you know every day is there's some mission you're on. And then suddenly you go back, your life has not only changed, but the whole environment has changed. You know, now you're in a, a world that is gigantic. You don't know where to go. You know, uh, it, you didn't have your, your friends around you anymore. The guys that felt uh, so guilty uh, or, or felt like they really missed something, if they, if they, when they came back, they were not able to go back and serve again, you know, with the other guys that's that are huge, still yeah, in the dangerous spots. Yeah. So I think that's, that's, when you start to realize the change is when you get to this gigantic world and in a place that you really don't want to be, you know, you don't want to go back to these boring suburbs or cities where you came from when you could have gone. And, and, uh, you know, there's such an adrenaline flow, you know, when you go mm. in a place like that, when you guys yeah. are serving, it's hard to get, 
get rid of. I mean, there's everything's a pain in the ass. It's like too hot. The food, <laughs> you know, sucks. Uh, the danger is everywhere. But there's something about it. You just want to go back. And I covered wars for so long. And there's the same same sort of thing with journalism. Is uh, you kind of want to go back there where there's a real uh, defined mission. Oh, it's a hunger, yeah, man. It kind of calls you. It's a hunger. And the, uh, man, the intensity you're right about of life. The, the death is when you get close to it. Especially, I think most people fear death because of the pain element, right? They're the pain that goes before the the calm. And if you've been in a right. situation where your body's been through pain all the way up to the point where if it was a little bit more, you would have died, and you recovered, you're like, well, I know I can handle it. And after that, it's peace. So it's it, there is a calm yeah. that that comes with that, and you're right, man. And everything kind of it's not as well. I like help me here. I'm going. No, hey, no, no. That. You're spot on. <laughs> the, the idea of peace becomes so so um, contradictory in our lives, right? We're we're filling our lives perpetually with all different types of external stimulus, whether it's our job or our families or doing this or our success or these plateaus we're striving to achieve. But once you you have a, a greater, more profound understanding of, of the true meaning of life, you're able to settle back in and be more intentional with your how you act day in and day out. Is, is that the reason you wanted to start the the your foundation bob is to help people be more intentional in their recovery to help them find a greater mission in their life to express yeah. these experiences yeah i think i think you're right listen i couldn't go back and do the, the the gigantic stories and you know cover iraq and afghanistan i couldn't really cover which i've stayed away from all really a lot of domestic reporting especially politics which is uh, the last thing i want to do <laughs> and uh so you know, to get back to do something big, I lost. I lost all those things. So, it was, you know, the most effective thing that I could do. I could use what I'd gone through as an an example and try to inspire people to give honor to those who've served, like you guys. Um, you know, so I, I I think I realized that this is one that I I, I could kind of get that, that mission. I, I I guess. Everybody changed their personality a little bit yeah. when this happens, especially those that have been had real visible wounds, you know, and also in, internal, you know, any kind of you know brain injuries or even PTS. Those things they realize they got to figure out what the good things are about them, and this is one that I mm. would have a, an effective function to actually accomplish something again. You know, sometimes I talk about my little girl. I have these the great little uh, fraternal twin girls, uh, and when I was hit. They were uh, about five and a half years old, so they they couldn't really understand exactly what what happened to me. But one of my little twin girls came up about uh, you know three or four months after I, I came back from the hospital, and she says to Lee, my wife, she said, "You know, you know, Mom, Dad still has this uh, he still has these scars all over his face." And Lee says, "Don't worry, those those are starting to come out. A lot of those you know, pieces of metal and stone and stuff are coming out of his face. He's it's going to get better over time." She goes, and Dad's, you know, his back is still kind of torn up. It's kind of disgusting. She goes, "Don't worry, sweetie. That's that's healing too. And and don't worry, he'll wear shirts all the time. Don't worry about it. You're not going to see that very often." Uh, she said, "But you know, Mom, I, I got to tell you, uh, I think Dad loves me more than he did before. So wow, you know, you get an indication. You get an indication of that. You know what? That gives you the confidence that maybe there's some things in this horrific thing that are better than they were before." 
And if you can get if you can get that on you, you got to look at what's better about you when you've suffered and when you're trying to recover. Is look at look at the things that are better than all the other ones that are worse. You know, it's a different mm. place you are, and there's a different different way to define it. You know, and there are in fact some things that are better. You know, sure. So I mean, I, I had that perfect way of looking at it because it's. We don't have written tests anymore once we get out of school. Our hard times are kind of our written tests to make sure that you've been paying attention during the good times. And the and if you learn the lesson, right? And I, I mean, a bad time is not something – it's something you can take. It's not something you have to take every single day afterwards. If you're up and moving, then you're moving past it, and it's in the rear view. You just take everything, those scars. I mean, hell, it, everybody who walks around you walks in and, and – like, look what that guy, look what the human body can take. I mean, right. we got to look at it like that. And the technology that we have of putting everybody back online, man, it's like, all right, you go out, work as hard as you can, you get busted down, we'll put you yeah. back together and get you back online. Up here, up top, man, in your head, if everybody else is cool with it, and, man, that's the reinforcement that you need to, to power forward. Yeah, so it's, it's, I mean, don't let something that happened a minute, two yep. minutes dictate 10 years of your life. I love Your whole life. Whole life, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Marcus. I mean, you you never would have thought you'd be a best-selling author. You know, no, you never, never thought you'd be hanging out with you know with famous uh, you know actors <laughs> and putting on you know, putting together movies and all that. So these these are things that you never would have happened in your life. You know, the foundation. I didn't think in a million years I'd be doing it. I didn't even know what TBI stood for. I didn't know any of these mm. topics, and I never was part of the. You know, my grandfather was Army for World War One or World War Two. My father was Army for the Korean War, and I classic growing up uh you know in the early 1970s when i got to decide whether to join the military or not nobody was you know at that time that was a, a a bad time for the for the u.s military but now suddenly i'm in a in a world that i had been covering but i i was only embedded twice with the with the military one with the first lar of the uh, the marines on the invasion of iraq and then this one you know three years later with the army but uh, i had this chance to be in a different world that 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 has turned out to be pretty damn fascinating and fulfilling to me. So yeah, we, we have things in our lives that we never expect. And some of them are fantastic. You know, that's, that's the one you got to understand. And this makes your life more rich. I mean, when you take that sucks going through it, but now you're on the backside of it and and look what you could take. I mean, your story, you're right. I never in a million years thought of it. Definitely never thought you and I would be having a face to face talking about the fact that I'm a writer, right? And then, I mean, so that's the beautiful yeah. taste of life, man, is it's every day is something different. Perspective. And I and I think perspective is a is this wonderful evolutionary process in our if we do choose to go live life to its fullest. One of the things I'd love to ask you is, you know, prior to the experience, you were chasing down the big stories and you did it so well that it got you to be you know, a co-anchor of the biggest broadcast there is on your network. And, 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 but then afterwards, you're still reporting, you're still covering great stories and you're covering this wonderful, you know, tragic story about fentanyl, but the critical story people need to hear. Has the experience changed your perspective enough to where you really are changing how you choose stories now? Well, part of it is I've got the freedom to do so. You know, I'm doing mostly just longer form reportings. I'm not really doing the minute and a half pieces for, you know, breaking news or 
story that uh, you know uh, for for that week. It's usually much longer form uh, travel. I'm going over to I'm going to Bangladesh again at the end of this week to oh. do another another story about what's happened to the Rohingya people and they've yeah. been so, an know, investigative you know, like, journalist. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, investigating yeah. and a lot of it's taking people to parts of the world they hadn't seen before. You know, I I just always had been addicted to to doing foreign reporting anyway you know early on in my career at abc i was over into the into the you know living and working out of the london bureau of abc covering everything from you know milosevic and yugoslavia and kosovo and, and all of that and then of course where the wars were then breaking out in 2001 to 2003 when those wars began so i, I i've always been addicted to that stuff but now i've got a lot more time to to, to put it together longer form more thoughtful uh, more detailed, and uh, uh, you know, spent a lot of time in North Korea as well. I've done a couple really Beautiful amazing hours in North yeah. Korea. But I'm, by the way, I'm banned by the uh, North <laughs> Koreans to ever to ever go back in again. <laughs> so I'm, so I'm, so I'm thinking of all the countries to be banned from. I'm pretty damn proud of that one. Right. That is a Scratch that one off your vacation list. I'm 86 from a bar in New Mexico. That's about it. But you're Man, banned you sure from North Korea. In. I want to come back. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, all right. Well, tell us now. Like our listeners are here and they're listening to your story. Uh, of you know this you know and they're thinking to their, their themselves man he he ch he was so you know ingrained in what he was doing that he chose to go over he put himself in harm's way and and now he's he's he, he went through this tragedy and and he's coming back but you know how do you what were the steps, so to speak, that you used? The, if you could drill it down into some very specific concepts or steps for our listeners that are in the midst of their recovery or return to them, their former selves or their new selves, what are some things that you can delineate for them to, to hold on to? I think some of the, some of the ones you've got to you've got to do when you're when you're recovering is, is some of them that I told you before is you got to know who who the people are there to really help you, uh, and those are the ones you you should give your love to because they're the ones that are given their time and they're they're never going to leave you, which is one. Um, I, I I I think that you have to realize that some things have changed, but I think you also have to understand there's other things that are going to be great to do. That you now have tools, you now have skills, you now have relationships that can uh, make you accomplish things that are actually better than you ever thought before. Wow. Um, so I think it's a way to just look at the recovery. You know, I, I looked at in terms of my traumatic brain injury, I, was called, I, I got what's called aphasia. Since I was hit yeah. largely on the left, left side of my head, that I, I lost a lot of my, uh, my vocabulary, my words. I actually served a lot of memory. Um, I got I got some recognition disorder, so sometimes I, I meet people and then three minutes later I, I introduce myself again because I don't remember, you know, their face. Uh, so those 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 things you know have have changed, but there are you know there are better things uh, that you 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 can get. But anyway, in terms of traumatic brain injury, there like the insurance companies will tell you in terms of coverage for your insurance is that you know you can you can continue to recover for about two years. So we're going to pay for your therapy for a couple of years. But, you know, the reality is that it keeps getting better, you know, for well over 10 years and mm -hmm. more. It depends on what you do. Right. Yeah, it's you, know, always, you, you yeah. can't, 
yeah, you don't want to kind of just go and seclude yourself away you know, in, in deep depression. You got to do everything you can to, you know, for the for the brain stuff. You know, just read and read. I mean, there was a great doctor, uh, a neuro- neurosurgeon guy, who said somebody asked him, "What's the best three things that you can do to help your brain?" He said, "Well, exercise, exercise." And exercise, <laughs> you know, that, that's that's the best thing, really, to get that blood flowing through your head. But you'll figure out a way that you can really improve yourself. Don't give up, and don't ever listen to these insurance companies, and don't, uh, you know, don't just assume you're not going to get any better after the first couple years. It's it's gonna it's gonna get better. You just got to surround yourself by the people that are your really true souls. You know, the ones that really relate to you. Yeah, and the, the brain is just as mysterious as space. I mean, if you sprain your ankle or break your leg, they put a cast on it, it takes time, then you just have to do the physical therapy. A lot of people, because it's so hard to understand what's going on up in there, you can't put a bandage around it, but it is injured. So in order to, if it does get injured, you need to do the rest, the physical therapy, and the training, just the exercise, the reading. You got to make that work. I mean, it's just, just like you're recovering and training anything else to get back in the game. If you, if you, that's the worst injury of all, brain injury. Sure. You sit around on that one and don't cast it up and don't take the time and then do the physical therapy to put it back right. You're stuck right there. Yeah, amen. Or, or write a famous book and make a movie. That's the one everybody should do. <laughs> I'll get you out of it real quick. Yeah, it's easy. It yeah, yeah. Simple. Oh, I love it. Well, well, Bob, tell us about the foundation and tell us about what your initiatives are and 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 really what the work you guys are doing. You know, we have a, a lot of projects that we help to fund. So what we're doing is, uh, is is we're raising raising money as much as we possibly can so that we can then pass that money on to the existing organizations that are, are doing the most effective uh, produ- productive uh, therapy for those that are, need some kind of help getting through all this. You know, and the, we have now raised well over about $50 million. Wow. And we distributed this over the last 12 years. We have a huge fundraising event in New York coming up where we had uh, the best comedies, uh, you know, Springsteen come back. Another awesome. guy who, who, I don't know if you guys know Eric Church, who's fantastic. Oh, he's yeah. coming this oh, year. Great. Oh, yeah. Yes. So he's coming uh, this year. And we raised about six million bucks there, there that, loan, that night alone. Oh, my gosh. So with, with that, you know, so many people want to do something for the veterans who have gone through this. Um, but they don't really know where to look for them, how to do it. Um, so we're the ones that be the, the ones that will vet it for them and find the place to put it. That's good. And that's essentially what we do. So we create some new projects to do it, but largely find the ones that are already being run by other organizations. So they put applications in to get some of this money. It's, it's incredible how much we've been able to support on this. And I think we really had a uh, have and continue. We want this to go on forever. Because sadly, there are going to be you know wounds, maybe yeah. maybe more wars, but uh, it's that's that's essentially what we do. And uh, uh, you know, I, anybody wants to be involved, that'd be great. <laughs> awesome! Work. No, that man, that's amazing. the best part about what what your organization does because it's the, like our generations now, man. They they covered their warriors. It's something to see our people and how they rally around because there was a time when that didn't happen, and um, there is so many of them that. Uh, that Unfortunately, some of them are stood up for the wrong reasons. So when you have somebody right. kind of like the Overwatch, well, you know, the, yeah, there, 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 yeah, there were about forty six thousand of these kinds yeah, of uh, the last know, charity groups. Forty six, yeah, and then you know some of them were like amazing, and then some of them were mediocre, and some of them were scams. Uh, it's just hard to tell. 
Uh, you know, obviously there's so few compared to the way they were when the wars were peaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the best thing is just to find the ones that really you get. It. The sad thing is there's mm-hmm. a lot that we just don't have enough to give to, even though they're fantastic. So if if we turn them down, the ones that apply are all legit. Right. It's just you know how to how to find them. Right. Well, all right. Well, so what's what's next for you? I, I, obviously, you said you're going back over to overseas this week. Are you? How? Who are you reporting for? Where can people find these reports? And and also, uh, what else is is uh, in store for you in the future? Well, you know, this is a, this is a story that we've that we've uh, covered. This would be the the third time that I've gone back to report on this with the Rohingya people that have been badly. You know, there's about a million people, there's refugees that floated, have gone from Myanmar into Bangladesh to survive, and there's, uh, you know, it's been really difficult for the country Bangladesh to deal with. Uh, we'll see what happens with them next. I I've really spent about, about half my time in China and Asia for the last three years. Wow. So that's everything from what's going in in Xinjiang all the way down to you know uh, Duterte, you know, quite an interesting leader of the Philippines. Yeah. Right, he's come together with you a very effective the, uh, policy of just killing anybody who's a drug drug uh, addict. Yeah, that's in, him in, in, in this in the city of Manila, uh, which is an interesting one too. I just got I just got back from flying with the uh, in, in a uh, in a in a in a P eight, you know, over the top of the South China Sea. Wow, I went to I went with the. Uh, with the uh, with the navy down there, I went up to that plane with them to look down on these on these islands that you know. And the Chinese called up on radio six times while we're there <laughs> and said, "You guys got to get out here, You're breaking international law, <laughs> get out of here now!" Even though you know it's not against the law. Right. So these kind of confrontational stories are still good. I promised my wife and my kids long ago I'm not going to cover wars anymore. Yeah, that's anymore. It. I'm not hearing that so much, Bob. I think Lee's got to yeah. be a little pissed off. Covering the war and then covering <laughs> the place. Yeah, and now he's just moved over to where there might be a war. Yeah, where right? there <laughs> might be a war. He's trying that's to my pre- compromise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, hey, what do you want from me? <laughs> I said, honey, I'm not covering wars anymore, but how about conflicts? <laughs> she said, okay. <laughs> if something kicks off, that's not my fault. I just happen to be there. I just happen to be there. Oh, that's so awesome. Because I'm, I'm worried about this. My my phone is like almost running out of juice well, here. I'd, I'd, have, well, I'd have to go up this this audio into just without the, the headphones on and put, put no, a plug no, in I'm, if you want to keep going. We're done right now. So where can people follow you on Twitter, Instagram, all that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Find it out there. You Google it. I'll put it out there for everybody, and then we'll also put out all the information for the Bob Woodworth Foundation. Sir, yeah. thank you so much As for coming was. on. It it's a, You're a, a real blessing to patriot. this country. You're a patriot. Yeah, you're, you're one of us, and thank you for all the work you've done, and just God bless you and your family. Oh, you too. And uh, what an what honor to get this from you guys, too. Of all the people out there, I mean, no no one could do better than this, getting some good words from you guys. So thank you so much. Thanks for supporting what we're doing. Thanks for uh, giving my wife really good examples of why she should love me deeply. Uh, all of that. So I thank you guys even more. That's our awesome. best to the lady of the house. <laughs> all right, sir. Yeah, yeah, exactly. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, David. Yep. Bye-bye. I'll tell you what, Marcus, I mean, you gotta think to yourself, becoming the anchor man, right? Becoming the main cat, well, he shared it with the, with that woman, but taking over for 
you know, Peter Jennings and the magnitude of, you know, his influence moving into that role and then saying, you know what? I'm going to do one more. I'm going to go downrange one more time. It's always one more, right? It's always one more. <laughs> that's what gets us. One more. The bite, yeah, that's how you get bit. Trying to get one more. One more. And he got blown up, but when you listen to him, man, in my mind, we listen to all the other guys, right, that, that we've had on, and some unbelievable human beings from Travis Mills to... Yeah, I mean everybody in between. Brad Snyder, we you know, we've all we've had mm-hmm. these incredible mm-hmm. human beings that were veterans that were actually serving, that were going to combat. But this dude, I mean, he was there to cover a perspective of combat, got sucked into the tragedy of combat, spit out, losing a huge chunk of his mind, his brain. His gray matter, mm-hmm. and still is able to come back and and give perspective in a way that I believe is transformational. Well, that's the greatest part about journalists is they tell uh, our life's journey, right? And then each one of them are unique in their own capacity. And he, he's obviously got that warrior will. I mean, to go over there and and think about how he sees war, though, too, because he's we're over there to see it a certain way. He's over there to watch it and document it. I mean, it's just in his level of perspective. I mean, it's unique and it's in its, its own right because he's got hit now. So got hit hard, hard too. Hard, right? He didn't just get a piece of trap mill or whatever, right. or, the, I mean, or, or there was sniper fire at his him. His job you know? revolved around his ability to work his mind, put yeah. those words together. So he, he got hit harder than anybody in the worst, in the worst way because it attacked his, his gray matter. And then, just watching him get back to work. I mean, the, the great part about it when I was listening to him, man, is he went back to the beginning and started just like he did when he yeah. wanted to be a journalist. And you got to learn the basics. All right, how do I do this? I don't ask questions. And you just kind of rebuild that, that, or crawl back up that ladder. And he can't skip any steps. And maybe now there's some rungs in there that are broken. So he's, you know, he's got to figure out a way to get past that. But that's the wonderful part about the brain, man. You try hard enough, it will figure out a way to work. It, it, it definitely does. I mean, if it just if one perspective got eliminated out of his head for a certain situation, you can bet there'll be another one that, that dropped in his case. Whether one door is shut, another one opens. Opens, amen. So I mean, he was talking about how his life changed, but times they do they change too. So I mean, think about it like that. A lot of, as we get older, we, we 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 tend to sit in our own mindset, in our own our own misery, our yeah, own our pain, own reality, yeah. And, and like, hey, I've worked a long time to get this reality, and I'm almost done, right? Yeah. <laughs> But then mm-hmm. those of us who switch all the time have a different flavor for life, I think. I, I agree. What I loved most about Wizard was when he talked about, you know, the being surrounded by the, the people who truly loved him most, right? Those are the essential people, the people that are going to be there in the hospital room day in and day out. Those are the people that are going to be patient when you, when you forget something critical about your life together in the past. That, for me, was the real humanistic uh, insight that he was sharing, that, hey, th- even though things did change, relationships changed as a result of his ability to recollect or recall or whatever, but it's the love, the magnitude of love enhanced. There was no detraction. Well, it seems like such an obvious thing that, you know, you, you take 
you take equal care of the people who are caring for you, right? I mean, but you look back at stories of people. Well, remember we were talking to Remy and him speaking of how he did not treat particularly well his girlfriend who was caring for him through things. Or if you look back at Jose Sanchez, or you look back at these. Um, well, that's why these people that we've spoken to before, in that they might appreciate it, but then as time goes by, they become overwhelmed by their state, by their, their they've lost that sense of purpose, or they lost their identity, or they have fallen into depression with their new their, the new circumstances, and then that that care and appreciation for those people have stood by you. It, at least for them, it kind of fell away, and they had to rediscover that. So even though it seemed very simplistic, him saying that, giving appreciation to those you know, who love you and stand by you through your recovery, it's absolutely valid, as, as we've seen here in many examples. And, and there's a clip, I thought there was, there's a clip of him, he's laying in bed doing, <laughs> it's basically like an informal speech therapy with his young daughters or like... Five-year-old daughter, Yeah, right. just, just asking him, um, like, complete this sentence kind of questions, and his, his mind just simply wouldn't find these, these obvious words. But that clip just showed how just constructive those three f's can be in, in your recovery i think that illustrated it really well me too i i i love more than anything about them is the recognition marcus and you you identified this in the interview is is his connectivity to us right the the assimilation in the mindset well he's able to take that experience and turned it into a a fifty five million dollar positive positivity explosion, yeah, right? right? In terms of this, the Bob Woodruff Foundation, that's not a small chunk of change, right? I mean, most charities are striving to bring in twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. You know, over twelve years, and they've done fifty five million dollars and three hundred and ninety grants. They oh. estimated like two point five million veterans or their family members have been positively impacted by that effort that's a lot of people that's he could have very easily gotten jaded about the whole concept of war and and put the blame on everything but, you know he didn't do that I mean, you, that's how you know he'd been there long enough because war is dynamic you can't pick that that's not how yeah. that works right and wizard what you were talking about we migrate towards the family when we get hurt because that's what we've always done since we were boys right and you know we get hurt you go back to the family they patch you up but they also are on the receiving end of the bad part of that because healing is the vocal part and the physical part mm. but maybe it's a subconscious telling you like hey you know I, they're not going to go anywhere i know they love me they can deal with some of these hard times you know that's the that's the faith you have in the family like i you know, i'm sorry i'm doing this but i'm too proud to apologize see the face this is an apology <laughs> 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 Well, I tell you what, for all those of our family, our listeners, our teammates out there, man, what a treat you've just been given by having uh, Mr. Woodruff on this show. Uh, we can't thank all of you enough uh, for being a part of our team, for being a part of our family, and, and really most especially, we're just so grateful at the contributions all of you are making, not only with your support. I mean, we're coming up on 7 million downloads, uh, but but the, the most significant well, crazy, right? That. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if this is your first time with us, thank you so much. We really genuinely appreciate you coming and spending your time, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, in your own recovery or it's in your drive to work or wherever it might be. 
Uh, we appreciate you and we thank you for, for listening. And we ask that you, you share this journey. You share this experience with other people that you know that might be struggling themselves that need to understand that never quit mindset. And not only can they listen to our show on iTunes podcasts or any other podcast platform, but also they, you know, you can go, you can listen online at TNQ podcast, but also go and read our listeners stories, man. Read these stories because we've created this incredible community of never quitters who, who have written in and, and these amazing stories and really uh, are helping so many people uh, through their great challenges in life. And before we, we, we go on to these reader stories, I want to talk a little bit about one of my great challenges, and that's waking up and, and my desire to wake up pain-free. I, in fact, I can't even remember the last time I felt that. We talk about it all the time, Marcus, Wizard, and I, as well as tons of my other buddies that have been in the teams or special operations. It's just something we can't even remember what that feels like. Now, and instead of you know, the walking into a, a hospital or doctor's office in VA and getting prescribed a, a handful of opioids, which lead to addiction and all kinds of problems. Uh, we've got a solution for you. BioWave is a life-changing, non-opioid, effective way to block chronic and acute pain. Man, this stuff is, uh, this, this device is unbelievable. In fact, 85% of the people who use BioWave experience significant reduction in pain from just one 30-minute treatment. One 30-minute treatment and you're becoming, you're on the path to salvation. Proven effective over 15 years, used by more than 80 VAs, active duty military units, hell, our brothers in the SEAL teams, and most NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball teams out there are using this thing. BioWave is VVA recognized, VA prescribed, FDA cleared, and made in the good old U.S. of A. Now listen, if you're one of us, if you're a veteran, or you're even active duty military, and you do not want to go to the VA to get prescribed another handful of pills you don't want to risk it you got too much going on in your life and you're just sick of the pain because this happens day in and day out we hear it from people our brothers all the time through the show if you want a safe non-opioid and effective way to help manage your pain please go to biowave.com and learn how to get treatment at no cost brothers no cost Visit BioWave.com. You can read some insane testimonials, some incredible things from our, our veterans, active duty military, sports people, and everybody else, as well as get into the science of how this works, because it's really the science that separates this device from everything else. BioWave is designed to block pain at the source and is like nothing else out there. Visit BioWave.com, smarter pain blocking technology. Now... Let's go to a, a, a reader story to close out the episode. This is from Carl. Hey, brothers. First of all, I want to thank you for all that you do for the TNQ community. I stumbled across your podcast a while back and have been listening every chance I get. As a longtime consumer of many different podcasts, I have to admit that the TNQ podcast is my all-time favorite because it's entertaining insightful, and most importantly, as a Canadian Army veteran, I can relate to the stories of so many of your amazing guests. 
I feel compelled to share my never quit story for two reasons. Firstly, I know that each time I talk about my experience, it brings me one step closer to healing the scars that have been present in my life for so many years. Secondly, by listening to the other stories of many other TNQ community members, I have taken helpful nuggets of wisdom from each of them, and I feel that perhaps my story can possibly help someone else step forward into growth and healing on their own journey. While peacekeeping in Bosnia in 1997, I landed in the medical unit after having a violent tonic-clonic seizure, and when I woke up on the hospital bed, my life came crashing down with the news of what had happened. As a young and proud infantryman, I knew that my career as a soldier was likely over, and in a few short days, I was loaded up into the back of a truck and hauled away from my brother's. I can still remember that day. I can vividly see the image of the sentry gate closing. I remember the heavy feeling that I let my brothers down. I struggled with denial, not accepting the fact that I would be living with epilepsy for the rest of my adult life. And during this time, I watched from the sidelines as my brothers continued their service, doing all the things I so desperately wanted to do. When they went off to jump school, I cried myself to sleep at night because I knew I would never be able to call myself a jumper. And when they went on exercise, I remained back at the base, alone, and in a state of depression that continued to build. During this time, running turned into therapy, and I eventually qualified to represent my battalion in the National Military Track and Field Championships only to be turned down because they needed me to stay and help prepare for a domestic deployment in Ontario. For me, this was the final straw, and I broke. I had found a way to proudly represent my battalion, and it was taken away from me. From there, I went downhill quickly. Soon after, I was released from the military, and what followed was a three- to four-year exercise of feeling sorry for myself, drowning my sorrows in whatever drink I could find and topping that off with drugs and simply running amok with little care for what others thought of me. It wasn't until I met my wife when things began to turn around. And in the early years of our relationship, my emotional healing began. I'm not going to lie, I still struggle. I'm still healing and living with epilepsy each day. And I, and I learn more about myself and I try to be positive. There's so much to absolutely... There's so much to epilepsy that can make life difficult. The stigma, which is still present in our culture, is often difficult to deal with. As many veterans can relate to, as an invisible illness, people who live with epilepsy are often misunderstood. Seizures are painful physically and emotionally. Not being able to drive for many months after a seizure can be tough on a family, and it can be difficult to navigate a career. The medications have side effects that can impact our lives in many ways. And for me, it meant that my desire to serve in the military, police, fire, or as a paramedic were not possible. However, there's also much to living with epilepsy that can be a gift. For example, I know what it's like to feel like I'm on the edge of death, and I'm literally lucky to be alive due to some close calls over the years. I wake up every morning grateful for another opportunity to see the world, love my family and friends, and try my best to make a difference in the world. 
After my dark days, I finally realized that I needed to make a drastic change if I were to live a decent life. So I decided cold turkey to quit all the things that did not support me, and I replaced them with habits that would support my physical, mental, and emotional well-being. Instead of looking at epilepsy as a burden or disease, I learned to understand that I would need to adjust my lifestyle so I could shift the disease in my body, mind, and spirit. 21 years after having my first seizure, I'm still learning how to live life to the fullest. I compete in age group world triathlon championships. I've done half Ironman, plenty of Spartan races, and a few ultra marathons. There's so much more to this story, but I wanted to share the bits and pieces in the hopes that my story will help someone else who is struggling. One thing I learned over the years is that everything happens for an opportunity, and it's up to us to keep our hearts open for that opportunity to present itself. There are days when the weight of living with epilepsy brings me to my knees. However, there are many more days when I'm proud to have served my country. I'm proud to my brothers and sisters who continue to serve, and I'm most proud of the person I've become over the last 21 years. I'm fueled to keep moving forward and consciously choose to be positive ambassador for those who live with epilepsy. I am also motivated by my fellow soldiers who are struggling and those who made the ultimate sacrifice to protect our freedom. Living with epilepsy has taught me empathy and compassion at a higher level, and although I was afraid to bring children into the world because of my own insecurities, I am more than grateful that I chose to overcome my fears. My daughters are my life, and I can see that because of my story, they too have an elevated level of empathy and compassion because of what they have been exposed to over the last nine years. My wife is my rock, and without her, I don't know if I would be on this earth to send this letter. In closing, I want to thank you guys once again for the time and effort you've put into the TNQ podcast and community. As I mentioned earlier, every time I listen, it motivates me to push forward. The conversation can often dig me out of a rough spot. I hope that by sharing my story, I can at least motivate one person to take a look at their life and see the opportunities available to them. In gratitude, Carl. Well, Carl, who ya, brother? Thank you so much for your contribution to our community. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for the courage to, to share your thoughts, your ideas, to add to this great collective of people with the never quit mindset. Thanks to your wife for pulling you out of it. Thanks to your children. And just, you know, to all the people out there suffering with, with epilepsy, we hope that Carl's letter really made an impact on you as it has on us. I want to thank Bob Woodruff for coming on board and, and Lee for helping us get him here. And also for Jonna, my, my girlfriend who arranged it. Thank you so much, sweetie. I want to thank God and Christ for being in my life. I want to thank my, my four beautiful kids. And I want to thank all the listeners who, who do have the courage to, to wake up every day with the never quit mindset and push forward by making a difference in other people's lives. And I want to thank you too, gents, man. This is uh, quite a ride we're on, and, and I couldn't do it without you, and I wouldn't want to do it without you. So yes, I sir. love you tons. That's it. It's been a lot of fun. Carl, man, thanks again for writing in. You kind of summed up the whole outline of the TNQ framework talk about the hole you got right, in and, talk, and talk about yeah. 
climbing all the way back out. So we do every day, man. And your, your story will touch somebody. Trust me, man, because we every time we read and hear something like that, it all automatically we throw it into the day that we're going through. So, and good on you, brother. Welcome to the team, and uh, Mr. Woodruff. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> And like, yeah, I just like to sit back and listen to that guy do his thing. Yeah. He's motivating in every kind of way. So, and you are one of us, man. Don't ever deny that. Don't ever second guess it. Even if you got to second guess it. <laughs> if you can't remember. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thanks to the boss lady for letting us do this. Melanie, I love you. Thank you to the big man upstairs. And everybody keeps bringing us back. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, Crazy. I, I uh, out on the road now, I, it's, it's people coming up a lot and uh, just man I sit there and listen to their stories and the best part is when we talk about somebody else's story because we get just as jazzed up um, and interviewing them and then when somebody else comes up and when they kind of correlate their their day with what what we talked about it's uh, it's pretty amazing man so it's and that's everywhere I go now and I know it's the same with you, you guys yeah. Wizard not you yet but you'll get there brother get that <laughs> face on the camera <laughs> so thank you guys again man I'm out out Never quit. Team never quit. Team never quit. Radio.